Finns det någon som skulle behöva översättning till svenska som inte förstår engelska? Alla förstår engelska? Everyone understands. Arjuna Vacha Nashto Mohasmati Labdha Nashto Mohasmati Labdha Tvat Prasadam Mayachuta Tvat Prasadam Mayachuta Stitosmi Gata Sandeha Stitosmi Gata Sandeha Kalishye Vachanantava Arjuna said, My dear Krishna, O infallible one, my illusion is now gone. I have regained my memory by your mercy. I am now firm and free from doubt, and am prepared to act according to your instructions. Reported by His Divine Grace, the constitutional position of a living entity, represented by Arjuna, is that he has to act according to the order of the Supreme Lord. He is meant for self-discipline. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says that the actual position of the living entity is that of eternal servant of the Supreme Lord. Forgetting this principle, the living entity becomes conditioned by material nature. 
but in serving the Supreme Lord, he becomes a liberated servant of God. The living entity's constitutional position is to be a servitor. He has to serve either the illusory era of Maya or energy or the Supreme Lord. If he serves the Supreme Lord, he is in his normal condition. But if he prefers to serve the illusory external energy, then certainly he will be in bondage. In illusion, the living entity is serving in this material world, bound by his lust and desires. Yet he thinks of himself as the master of the world. This is called illusion. When a person is liberated, his illusion is over, and he voluntarily surrenders unto the Supreme to act according to his desires, the Lord's desires. The last illusion, the last snare of Maya to trap the living entity, the proposition that he is God. The living entity thinks that he is no longer a conditioned soul, but God. He is so unintelligent that he does not think that if he were God, then how could he be in doubt? That he does not consider. So that is the last snare of illusion. Actually to become free from the illusory energy is to understand Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and agree to act according to his order. The word moha is very important in this verse. Moha refers to that which is opposed to knowledge. Actually, real knowledge is the understanding that every living being is eternally a servitor. But instead of thinking oneself in that position, the living entity thinks that he is not a servant that he is the master of this material world. For he wants to lord it over the material nature. That is his illusion. This illusion can be overcome by the mercy of the Lord or by the mercy of a pure devotee. When that illusion is over, one agrees to act in Krishna Consciousness. Krishna Consciousness is acting according to Krishna's order. A conditioned soul, illusioned by the external energy of matter, does not know that the Supreme Lord is the Master, who is full of knowledge, and who is the proprietor of everything. Whatever he desires, he can bestow upon his devotees. He is the friend of everyone, and he is especially inclined to his devotee. He is the controller of this material nature and of all living entities. 
is also the controller of inexhaustible time. And he is full of all affluences and all potencies. The Supreme Personality of Godhead can even give himself to the devotee. One who does not know him is under the spell of illusion. He does not become a devotee, but a servitor of Maya. Arjuna, however, after hearing Bhagavad Gita from the Supreme Personality of Godhead, became free from all illusion. He could understand that Krishna was not only his friend, but that the Supreme Personality of but the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In other words, he could understood Krishna actually. So to study Bhagavad Gita is to understand Krishna factually. When a person is in full knowledge, he naturally surrenders to Krishna. When Arjuna understood that it was Krishna's plan to reduce the unnecessary increase of population, he agreed to fight according to Krishna's desire. He again took up his weapons, his arrows and bow to fight under the order of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Adiyom Tatsat. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada translation and purport to the Bhagavad Gita as it is, Gitopanishad, 18th chapter, 73rd verse in the matter of the perfection of enunciation. My Bharat Sayam, I am And coming from India, I live in Mayapur Dam, the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. My name is Jayapitaka Swami. And I'm a disciple of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. I'm very glad to be here. It's my first visit to Gothenburg, uh, I think. I mean, apparently I went to the airport once. <laughs> first visit here to the Hare Krishna. This is the Govindas Center. Very uh, enlightened. I see so many wonderful devotees. Sorry for the uh, delay. I left from uh, a program with uh, Rohini Suchatabu and a few hundred devotees in uh, Yugoslavia and the Hungarian border. We drove to Belgrade and reached there at 1.30 in the morning and I flew here via Munich. The flight was delayed and so it's, we had to take a little rest and stuff in San But I do hope that uh, I'll be able to come many times here. It's very nice facility, nice devotees. We're reading today from 18th chapter. This is the considered the most powerful chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. So one can get uh, all their spiritual desires fulfilled by this chapter. And uh, 
This is like the concluding verse after Krishna told everything to Arjuna and he told him, okay, now you can decide what you want to do. You don't have to do what I'm telling you, you can do whatever you want. But according to what you do, that's how you're going to, the results are going to happen. If you do what I say, then I'll give you all the protection. If you want to do something different, well, then you'll get the karmas according to what you decide to do. But then Arjuna is saying, no, no, my illusion is completely gone. All my doubts are gone. I'm very clear now what I did. I've decided that now I'll do whatever you tell me. And uh, so now he's uh, prepared to take out the, the Lord's order. He says, I am firm and free. Stito. Stito means like fixed, firm. Sitos means a sandeha. Sandeha means all the doubts. And gata means like gone. All the doubts now gone. That's, that's the, in the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna surrendered to Krishna and said, Sishyateham, I am your disciple, now you guide me. And he had so many questions. He had many doubts, many inquiries, 700 verses we covered. And now after hearing everything, now he says that all my doubts are gone. Yata Sandeha. So it's, that's, really, that's really the perfection. We take a spiritual master and if by asking him questions, we can get rid of all our doubts, all our confusion, all of our misgivings, have a really clear picture. This is what I have to do with my life, what I have to do at, at this time. What more can we ask for? That's, that's what a spiritual master can do for us, to give us the transcendental knowledge by which we can get out of our confusion and we can know exactly what we have to do. Spiritual life is uh, or yoga, it's uh, something we have to practice. It's something that we do in order to realize the truth. But in order to fix our mind and exactly what we have to do, what is the process of yoga, which is the process suitable for us, it's very important that we have this kind of very clear guidance from one of my spiritual master. So this is the conclusion here that Arjuna was successfully achieved that. And although Arjuna used to be, I mean he's also Krishna's friend, but friends tend to joke with each other and take things if so family say something, hey why don't you do that? You know, they like, take it or leave it, it's a light so that's when Arjuna, in the beginning, he said, Masishyateham, I am your disciple now. No, let's not talk about like it's friends anymore. Now, I want you to guide me as my spiritual master. I don't, I don't want discussion. Give me absolute truth. Give me out of the solution. I mean, the real thing is I don't know what to do. I'm very much disturbed by this whole situation. 
We know that basically Arjuna, he didn't want to unnecessarily kill anybody, but he was a general. And it seemed like he was being obliged to engage in a very massive warfare. And since uh, his, he and his, uh, his brother and him and his and himself would be the, if they're winners, they become the emperor in the ruling family. And if uh, they lost, of course, if you lose, then that's pretty horrible consequence in a war. You die with your body and everything. But then he thought, well, losing, of course, that's not a very positive, positive you know, alternative. And even but he thought, even if I win, so many people will be killed, so many of my relatives, it's like interfacial war, brothers and brothers and brothers. I had to fight my guru, who taught me how to fight. I had to fight my grandfather, who was uh, for me like uh, dear as my father, because he actually didn't have, he grew up almost under the care of his grandfather. Somehow they're on the other side. There were so many factors there. He was very much confused. What is the use of winning? When I win, and I have to win, I have to kill all these guys. Who are so dear to me. By so many other people. But it's not worth it. There's so many social problems, there's so many. So, like this year, I was in a real confusion. And he was the general on one side, so you can understand the position was really critical. But then, this get out of his confusion, he told Krishna, I'm going to decide to guide me. These are my doubts. And then as soon as I, he told Krishna, okay, now you'll be my guru, you'll be my spiritual master, guide me. Then Krishna, we were saying many, many very sophisticated, learned things, but no intelligent person will say those things. In other words, very nice way he's calling him, speaking like a fool. Because you don't see that what are these people who are present? First of all, they're not the bodies. They're the spirit souls in the body. So actually, nobody actually dies. There's no such thing as death. In the real sense. The people are forced to leave their physical bodies and they go out and take a new body, a new birth. Depending on their karmas and their different activities, they get a certain reaction. And so I then, chapter by chapter, yeah, explain them, this whole science of the Bhagavad Gita. How we can work for Krishna and get no reaction. He taught the science that, of how this illusory energy works. That we are Recently, pure spirit beings with a living force that's in this body. For some reason or another, we've misused our free will and we've decided that we want to try to lord it over the material nature. The material illusion looks very attractive, we think I want to enjoy it. But when we give up our serving attitude to Krishna, Instead, we want to be in a controlling, enjoying attitude. But the material nature gives us unlimited possibilities to try to satisfy our different uh, desires. 
But as soon as we are trying to achieve one desire, we realize it's not really what I wanted or we it was pretty nice, but then all of a sudden it's already gone. And like this, we were just running after one thing after another, and it never ends. And we stay into this illusion. When somebody realizes that I'm not meant to enjoy this material world, because by nature I'm really a servant of the, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. When I serve Krishna, then actually I become happy. Trying to follow these different permutations of the material illusion never makes anybody permanently happy. One goes from happiness to distress, distress to happiness, happiness to Buddha, always in a state of flux, nothing is permanent here. Most of the time we are suffering. Now, uh, I'm sorry, one thing is that in the Europe I found out, that when it gets hot here, you are not prepared for heat. India gets hot. Everyone reads in the newspaper, it's very hot in India. In India we are prepared for heat. Every room has fans. Like that room last night, I got a little bit of a feeling, I'll probably use the example. In the summer, you get a fan, it's very nice, a little cooling. In the winter, it's minus 20 or something, you don't need a fan. Because it's a hot air. I was this year, I mean, uh, it's cooler here in, in Sweden. I was just in, it was in the 30, upper 30s in uh, Yugoslavia. And also, they were in a tent, it was like a sauna. There was no fans. India, you're going to build a tent and have fans. <laughs> it's the, it's the uh, summer. So, at least India, India is not prepared for cold. <laughs> it was prepared for heat. <laughs> Here, you're really well prepared when it gets cold. I was here in the winter and it was really a minus something. Other rooms are well heated and doubles and doubles. But here it heats. We have a short summer, but it's, we have a short winter. So that's the difference. But according to the time, now in the summer, you like air conditioning, or you like uh, some fan, it's very nice. But in the winter, you don't. Now nobody's uh, using the heaters. Um, so this is the illusion that uh, the same thing that makes us happy now will make us suffer another time. So say you may have environment, you may have a nice environment for the taking off the, uh, the heat. When it gets to be the winter, then all those fans are useless. They need heaters. And here, right, so you may have all the heaters along the wall, you have so many heaters. This is how cool you down. So this is the illusion that we make some arrangement. Of course, you know, if you really have it together, and you have heaters and air conditioners, then you have to pay the electric bill. Energy bills, ecological considerations. There's no easy solution. Everything in the material world is, uh, turns out to be somewhat complex. 
when we understand that I'm not, this is not the basis of my happiness, sometimes I'm going to be materially happy, and sometimes I'm not going to be materially happy, I'm going to have some inconvenience. It's not important. Because we're getting a happiness from a totally different platform, different level. When I see how nice you're all chanting and dancing Hare Krishna, and I got such a feeling of transcendental bliss, that uh, spiritual happiness is uh, based on a totally different uh, experience. And somebody who hasn't tried it, they won't know. It's something one has to experience. That's what's special about Bhakti Yoga. Bhakti Yoga is a immersion. You get totally immersed in the thoughts of Krishna. Krishna's absolute truth. So if you do, for instance, Ashtanga Yoga, the different levels of yoga, karma yoga, stamina yoga, and finally the topmost yoga is bhakti yoga. This morning, uh, no, it wasn't this morning, it was ready uh, for yesterday, Rahi Sutta Prabhu, one of our Iskand gurus, he was sharing with the devotees how he became a devotee. So he became a devotee in 1974. And uh, he said that he used to listen to George Harrison. So he read in some introduction to some CD or the album or something, where he said like the progression you go from Jnana to Dharma to Astanga to finally the Bhakti. So he remembered that. And uh, that when he came to the, he met some devotees for the first time, and they started talking to him about Bhakti, or he said, oh yeah, that's, that, that's the topmost one. I remember reading about that by George Harrison. And within three days, he was uh, chanting uh, 16 rounds, and uh, he, he, he took up Bhakti Yoga fully. Three days, he was into it. It's a bit of a shock treatment for his name. So I told him to chant 16 rounds, uh, third day. But he was sharing that. So sometimes, People they try one yoga, but other yogas take a long time. But every yoga is meant, to, is meant to get absorbed in the meditation. But through the eighth level yoga, the mystical yoga, you do asanas, you do pranayama, and then gradually you get uh, some concentration after you learn how to control yourself, a very simple life, good diet, and everything. Then eventually you can get some concentration. That's what these different eight levels are ending, and then the final level is samadhi, trance, in total absorption on the absolute truth. But in the bhakti yoga, just by this chanting and dancing, which one can uh, even walk off the street and do within an hour or 20 minutes, even with sometime within a few minutes, depends how. If you're regularly used to chant, you can fix the mind very quickly. In someone's room, it may take a slight bit more time. But within a fairly short period of time, one can get the mind focused. And that is also samadhi. They can start to experience uh, spiritual...
things, which is not dependent on the senses, it's not dependent on the mind. Usually our happiness is dependent on the senses. If it's a nice day out, if it's rainy, stormy, we it another way. It's all by our sensual perception. But here, we're getting a happiness in Krishna consciousness which is not dependent upon uh, the senses contacting some sense object. In fact, it's totally out of our control. We may suddenly feel like laughing, we may feel like crying, we may feel like our hairs are standing on end, or some kind of spiritual emotion, which is not due to any other uh, visible uh, reason of contact with some material thing. It's because of our contact on a spiritual platform with Krishna. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he used to demonstrate this and chant with his devotees for many, many hours. And he would become so ecstatic that he, he would start to do things which were obviously out of his control. He couldn't control how the tears were pouring from his eyes or how his voice would become choked up. Now, Lord Chaitanya was really experiencing this highest ecstasy. What happened is after some time, people saw that everybody's looking for who's got the highest ecstasy. He's the guru that I want. So then you got some people that started to imitate the ecstasies, like actors, in order to attract followers. But they weren't actually experiencing the ecstasy, they just stood at showing the symptoms of the ecstasy. In fact, uh, we saw one person in India used to put in the back, in his like dressing room, he put chilies up his nose. And he'd go out and it was burning in the nose and tears would be falling down. And, and then people say, wow, he's really filled with love. He got so much ecstasy. He must have been a really yogi to keep the chilies in his nose. <laughs> and, uh, So our uh, grandfather guru, he said that he made a standard uh, program that we shouldn't show the ecstasy as much as possible. Just try to internalize it. So not make the whole thing cheap and then everybody thinks that they can just show it and that's it. Because there's other ways you can tell if somebody's in ecstasy. If somebody's experiencing the ecstasy, They'll be so satisfied with themselves, with their own spiritual practices that they'll naturally start to develop all kinds of nice qualities, like being tolerant when there's unfavorable circumstances, when they're criticized from people. Usually, if somebody tells us, you know, you're a wonderful person, we like to hear that. Oh, yes, of course. <clears throat> But if somebody tells us, you're yeah, our rascal number one, you know, you're good for nothing or something, then, you know, you start to go right down. Especially if it's someone we know, or if it's some stranger who should shout some obscenity to us, doesn't mean to know. But if it's someone you know, then it affects you. Especially if it's uh, someone very near and dear. So this uh, ego and the 
that's uh, getting uh, inflated or deflated, that's uh, something that normally affects people very severely. But if somebody's on a transcendental satisfied platform, then they're not affected if somebody praises them, they're not affected if people criticize them. Just some superficial thing. And then, like, many different qualities like this, you can start to distinguish this person's always busy in spiritual life. They don't waste the time doing things which are not connected to Krishna. Somehow, they're doing things which are always connected to the spiritual practices. So, these are called Anubhavas, and these you cannot imitate very easily. Symptoms you can imitate, but uh, these are the results of spiritual maturity. So, so someone who wants to ex be able to, to, ex to distinguish who is actually spiritually advanced, there are symptoms they can watch for. Eleven symptoms are mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita. If you like it, you can be. Um, and this is one can start to recognize who is actually spiritually advanced. But because at some period of time people just start showing external things, you can, you're a good actor, and the, on the drop of a hat they teach you how to cry. And they think of the worst thing in your life, the most horrible thing, you know, your grandfather you loved so much he has. <laughs> a good actor, you can really just focus on something special. Falling and crying tears before God. So that's not that's not it. That's acting. That's not. But that doesn't. Then they can change in a minute and they feel something else. You see, sometimes in some movies you have a person who plays two, three roles, and some of them are totally opposite. So one minute he is in one way, and next minute it's another way. So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about really spiritually experiencing. True satisfaction and deep realization. So Srila Prabhupada, many times, he was always a nice Sanam. I don't I never saw a time when he wasn't really spiritually very blissful. But he wouldn't show like that's why sometimes you see this very great face or everything that face, but he had a very great face. Some people think, oh, it doesn't look happy. He was so happy, but he was so happy that if he, that, that it was like, that, that was another kind of happiness, like a really deep, profound happiness. But sometimes, even his emotions would just go out of control. I remember once he was at Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur's, our grandfather, my grandfather Guru's disappearance day, and Prabhupada was uh, saying how much he appreciated how all the previous acharyas had done things to develop Mayapur, and how he was also trying to develop Mayapur, the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and how much he appreciated all the devotees who were helping him to develop Mayapur. Then, like, when he said that, then he, he just choked up. He couldn't speak anymore. Tears were pouring from his eyes. He was just stunned, and, and he couldn't. Was out of control. After only after some time, then he got the devotees to chant Hare Krishna, and he could re recover his composure. Uh, 
One time he was at uh, Atlanta, arriving from uh, Mexico City in Caracas. And he was there, and there were hundreds of devotees uh, present. And he was before the Lord made beautiful images they have in Atlanta like this. And when he saw, he said, you don't understand how fortunate you are, how merciful Lord and Yutai are. But they have come here just to bless all of you. They're the most merciful incarnations. And then while he was explaining about the mercy of Lord Chaitanya, he also, he lost the control and he, and he just started to cry. And he couldn't speak anymore for a while. And then he was singing that uh, song for the first time. Parama Karuna Chandra like that in Gorakpur in uh, India, when he met uh, this uh, Hanuman Podar, Hanuman Prasad, Hanuman Prasad Podar, and then he was doing a program there before the Radhamana Bhiris and in Mayapur now, but at that time they were traveling with him. And he was talking about Lord Chaitanya meeting with Sarupa, with uh, Sanatana Goswami, and how it was like that Krishna meeting with the gopis after a long separation, and it was such an extremely emotional moment for Sanatana Goswami to meet. They met, and Lord Chaitanya just embraced and gave him a hug, that both of them started to cry. In ecstasy, Lord Chaitanya and Sanatana Goswami. When Prabhupada was explaining this, he also got choked up and he started to. He couldn't speak for a while. Like every one of you to experience this spiritual bliss. I hope many of you already have. And that more and more you can experience it. And the knowledge which dispels all the illusions. As Arjuna systematically read the Bhagavad Gita, and all of his questions answered, now at the, the final conclusion he said, now I'm firm in my determination and clear in my consciousness, all my doubts are gone. You know how strong that makes one feel? When you're really clear, okay, this is what I have to do. Because the doubt is really what weakens us. What am I supposed to do now? What's the proper thing? Not only that, he knows that he has all the power of Krishna behind him. And Krishna has unlimited power. He knows what he has to do. He knows that to, in order to do this, Krishna is fully behind him. He's not doing what Krishna wants. I mean, I don't know if this is a good example. <laughs> just something comes to mind. I'm just think how on the opposite thing, you read the newspapers now. How, like you have these uh, American soldiers who are in Iraq. They were, they went there in order to carry out the order of their president and their country's agenda and protect their country and all this. 
Now they're sitting there in 50 degree weather, and they've never been trained to do a peacekeeping operation, they've never been trained to do policing operation, they've never been trained to do nation building. They were just trained to kill people <laughs> and be soldiers, professional soldiers. They did pretty good at that. But now they're in this situation, they get frustrated, they're told they can go back as soon as the war is over, war is over. And they're sitting there and they're getting picked off by all the guerrilla warriors and it's like, a, you know, so they're like in the opposite situation. They put their faith in, in something and, and when you read the newspapers, they don't feel very supported by them. This is a problem that in this material world, you make a decision and go forward and find out that it's not what it was told to me. Everything's different. Doesn't work out. But in the situation Arjuna is in, because he's actually understood now what Krishna wants, and Krishna has the full potency to give the full backing, whatever has to be done, he can fully supply all the ingredients and all the requisites to achieve all the success. That's a, I don't know, maybe it's a bad example, or just something topical that came to mind. Just, uh, I'd like to share one other thing with you, of course, is how this 18 chapters I mentioned in the beginning is considered the most powerful of all the chapters. This not, I'm not saying this, but Lord Shiva, he said this in the Padma Purana to Parvati. He mentioned that 18th chapter, that it is uh, very, very dear to Krishna, and it is the conclusion of the whole Bhagavad Gita. And if somebody chants the 18th chapter verses, it's very, very powerful. So Parvati wanted to have a, she's a personified maternal energy. She wanted to have an example. So then Lord uh, Shiva told the exam, an example about the glories of the 18th chapter. Have you heard that? You heard it? Should we anybody hear the others have heard it? Would you like to hear it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. So it starts out that Lord Indra. Lord Indra is he's the he's the king of the celestial universe. There's the three worlds. He's like kind of the king of the angels that run this universe on a higher level. And uh, he gets there because he does a lot of religious activities when he's on earth. So he gets to serve as that chief angel in this level. There's higher levels, but at this level he's the chief. So there he's uh, seated as the king in heaven. And uh, he's being glorified by so many other celestial beings, how he's really a great person, how he did so many And he's sitting there and they're having all kinds of cultural programs, dancing, views, and great uh, sages and yogis are able to travel on the higher level. They're also officiating him. And he's in his capital city, which was in a place called Amaravati, on the side of the, the mystical Mount Meru. So then, in his royal assembly in the back, two messengers in the spiritual world appear. 
They're called Vishnu Dutas. They're personal messengers from the Supreme Personality of Ganya, Vishnu. That's why they call Vishnu Dutta. Dutta means messenger. Like ambassadors or something from the Supreme Lord. In India they call a, an ambassador a Rastra Dutta. Messenger of the country. And they used to call Rajdut when they were the kings. No, it's Rastra country instead of king. So they were Vishnu Dutas. They came along and they came one Brahmana from this planet, one priest, priestly man. And the Indra said, Well, he's just a servant of the Supreme Lord in charge of this one part of the universe. So he actually, when I sees the ambassadors from the Supreme Lord coming, he got off his throne to receive them and find out what's the news, what's happened. And so they're walking right up to him and he said, Welcome, how can I help you? And then they walked right by him, picked up this uh, Brahmana, put him on the royal seat of Indra. He transforms and he becomes himself Indra. And then everybody looks and sees the old Indra, suddenly he's like no longer Indra anymore. He's ex-Indra. He just got laid off. Right? Some of the airplane, air, air companies are laying off their pilots. He just got laid off. Everybody said, Glorifying them in the Daya, in the day of all. Glories in the day of Glories, glories to the moon in the day. It's like, long live the king. The king is dead. Long live the king. Long live, long live Indra, Indra is going on. Long live Indra, what do you mean? So the accident that he was really frustrated, he said, what's going on here? I mean, how did I lose my job? He was like, boom, he was like that. And he was very frustrated, and he was asking everybody, people, look at the Supreme Lord, you know, I mean, he sent his messengers, and I was just replaced by this Brahman, and he didn't do any of these things. I, mean, I don't see him having this kind of a karma. So I wonder why is it that he, I, I got removed and why didn't he get put in my place? And this is about, you did all those things, but those are not very important things. I mean, they're small fruits, a big tree, dry fruit, nothing very juicy and very important. It's alright, you know, but nothing special. But this Brahmana, he pleased me. Because he pleased me, therefore I made him good. What more can say? The Supreme Lord, he makes the final decisions. Who's going to represent him? And if he wants to make a new king of the angels, you know, it's up to him. So, the interview was quickly and coming to a close, and then, so, this accident is well. My Lord, could you please tell me, what did he do that pleased you so much? And my Lord. And so then, uh, he said, well, every day he would read five verses from the 18th chapter Bible here. Every day he would read five, one, two, three, four, five verses from the 18th chapter Bible. I got kicked off my seat. After climbing the Himalayan mountains, after planting hundreds and thousands of trees, after performing tremendous austerities, penances, 
meditations and all kinds of things. I mean, I was sacrificing, I was sweating, I was doing all kinds of tremendous, tremendous sacrifices. And he was reading five verses from 18 chapter Bible, and I get kicked off my seat. Obviously, I didn't know what was important. It's not important how much you sweat or how much you do. What's important is how much you please Krishna. If he's pleased, then everything can be achieved very easily. I had to work so hard. I didn't know what was important. Obviously, he knew. And so I was for nothing, sweating, climbing those stupid mountains, working like a dog, and I could have achieved something much easier if I had to read the Bible and read the 18th chapter. So I decided, okay, so if I'm gonna, if that's what pleases the Lord, then that's what I'm gonna do. So he just completely said, he's not like hung up in some ego, it's not fair, he said, you wanna do what works, and ultimately, in this universe and all universes, what works best is what pleases Krishna. That's what really works. It takes some people a long time to figure that out. So then, he figured it out. He learned firsthand. So he came down, he decided he came uh, to this planet, visited us, an extraterrestrial, but he took a human form. And then he found a guru and learned the 18th chapter Bhagavad Gita. And anybody wants to learn something in the spiritual science, you need spiritual guides. Who guide you, teach you, they're called gurus. So he found a guru who teach him Bhagavad Gita 18th chapter, he learned the 18th chapter, and every day, not only the five verses, he had all the, was the 80 some verses of the 18th chapter, and um, he completely, every day made it his daily practice. So after some time of chanting every day 18th chapter Bhagavad Gita, the messengers from Vishnu came to visit him. He looked up and saw them and said, Yes. So we've come from Vishnu, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He's very pleased with you. What would you like? He's happy to give you whatever you want. Want to be Indra again? Want to be King of the Angels, King of the Earth again? No. This is a material heaven, it's not like you know, it's temporary. We got to move once. So I was there, I did that one already. I was. Can I ask you a question? I mean, I just want to know something again. Could you take me to the spiritual world where never it destroys, where never uh, deteriorates, where the Supreme Lord is, so I can directly do some service for him? You take me there and uh, let me do some direct service to him rather than is running a little section here in this universe. I'd like to do some personal service to the Lord. Could you arrange that for me? I said, yes, no problem, you can do that. You can take it there. That's what I want. Good. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm just, you know. I want to go there and <laughs> be with him and serve him directly. So then he was uh, transferred back to the spiritual world. So which person got the better deal? The 
Brahmana who became Indra, the Indra who got transferred back to the spiritual world. What do you think? The Lord Chaitanya is giving away free passes back to the spiritual world. Normally, automatically, it's a side benefit actually. He's giving the passes to develop your love for Krishna, develop so much of a personal loving relationship with Krishna. They have it automatically get taken back there. This is not, that's like, that's a given. That's easy part of it. Even if you go back there, maybe if you don't have that kind of relationship with Krishna, maybe you'll be in one of the more external situations. But here, directly getting on the intimate level a relationship with Supreme Personality of Godhead, which takes you back to the spiritual world also, I think. Because to serve the Lord, you have to go where He is. So that's what Lord that's why Lord Prabhupada said, I don't know how merciful it, this, this very great, very great personalities, great saints, and, and very great uh, devotees, great yogis, they're mad after getting this kind of a blessing, this kind of a... And Lord Chaitanya is giving it out freely, even the people from different cultures, different countries, don't know anything about spiritual life. He would give it away freely. And he's still giving it away freely. To his representatives. So you're all very fortunate, because all of you are getting the mercy of Gordon Time here. You see, Gordon Time, the day, what I know, what's the names of... So you're all very, very fortunate that here in Gothenburg, Gatteborg, I don't know this is a you know, right pronunciation, that here you have the mercy of Bordentai. And there's a nice association with so many nice devotees here. It says that in spiritual life, if we have a good association of other people who are interested in spiritually advancing, this is like in the ocean having a smooth weather. I mean, from the Norwegian, the Scandinavian countries, and the Vikings are famous, and they used to go sailing. So they're really the ones who discovered America much before Christopher Columbus. So you know, if you have a good weather, then maybe the sailing goes really good, easy. If it's a big storm or something, it's tough. So here you have so many nice devotees, you can chant Hare Krishna in regular classes and practices, and in this way you can uh, advance very nicely in your spiritual life. What we have here, I see already must be, I don't know if we count, but we say roughly almost 30 people. So we have a program that whenever we have anywhere between 6 to 10 people, you can have a small group called uh, like a Bhakti Riksha group or Bhakti Sangha group. So we have one center like this and then during the week, whenever it's convenient, different groups of people get together and they develop a kind of a family support system, spiritual family, where they help each other. Or there's other systems similar like a counselor group, but uh, in terms of the Bhakti Sangha groups, right? 
I was just in Sarajevo and Bosnia. They started these groups about two, three years ago. Now they have five groups. Well, they just initially had one. Now they're up to five. And we had this meeting with them where all of the devotees uh, there in the after everybody's a member of a group. They all get together on the weekend, something like this, in a big in some hall or some meeting. But during the week, they, they have uh, you know, one this day and that too, and that some are all, some were, most of them were mixed, three were all mixed groups, and one was like a more or less, more almost all men, one was almost all women. But uh, there's nothing like that. Was, in fact, three of the group's uh, leaders were ladies, if I'm not mistaken, two or three at least, and uh, two or three were uh, men. So it's also that this is completely anybody can be the leader, whoever is qualified, whoever enthusiastic. In one group it was, uh, there were Brahmanas in the group, but the leader was uh, Bhakti, was an uninitiated girl, lady, who was, but she's very enthusiastic, and so that I'm the leader, she was very good, she did it very nicely, but the facilitation. So each group came up and did a kirtan bhajan for everybody else, and then they explained what the things they were doing, and how they appreciate, how they benefit. I had to ask some questions, I said, what, what do you, tell us what do you think about this uh, program? And one of the groups, when they, when they were speaking, two of, the, two of the members, they broke down in tears. They said that, so much I, I benefited by having this group, that for me this become I never really had you know, such a developed family, but this become my family. These are these are my family members. These are the people we get together, we we help we help each other in Krishna kinds, we share, we learn, and uh, we do things together. I say I feel so much support and strength from this kind of an association. It was uh, so moving for me because I, I try to promote this type of congregational developments around the world, I'm a minister of congregational development in this family. And if you see people so happy that they break down in tears of joy <coughs> and gratitude for the program, I don't know how many of what more can we ask for? They were so emotionally uh, moved and feeling so much better. And then the Bosni is like, you know, I've never heard about Bosni. It's like it's, uh, this Islamic place. It's pretty hard to do things there publicly, so they almost have to do these kind of small groups and they have to be very discreet, not to offend the, the Muslim uh, majority there. And there are, most of these people are Muslims that are practicing, I mean, it's all mixed, but they are from the Muslim background, they're also practicing, so they face a lot of pressure from their uh, family members, so why are you doing something different? And so they need support, but support really helps them that they get together and they discuss, they share their problems, they share. So it's an opportunity for them to get guidance from all the devotees, to share, to work together, do things together. And because uh, I heard here that you're also, I've heard that for a couple of years now, that you're developing this program here also. And I can see it, I mean, you have enough people to have this kind of uh, bhakti sangha, bhakti riksha groups. You can easily have even four or five of the number of people here today, and I'm sure that maybe on a Sunday there are more people coming here. This is a holiday, maybe many are on vacation. 
if you just have that program, everybody is a member of one of these uh, groups. Because that's how we can care for the door. How can it's possible, like, how can the one, uh, say, manager or one uh, president give personal care for everybody? Isn't even possible to care for so many people effectively. But when people are in these uh, groups, like in Chopati, in, uh, in Bombay, everybody's a member, more or less. You have to be a member of a council group, I think, if you want to get initiated. I don't think you can get initiated if you're not a member of a council group. They have a council group system, it's, it's very similar. But uh, they said about well, 80% the same as the uh, groups. It's just that they don't. In the Vakti Vikshu group, you can actually have a black teen or a younger devotee be the coordinator wherein the counselor group is the most senior devotee is the counselor. Because he has to actually counsel the other devotees. Where in the Vakti Vikshu group, you facilitate meetings. And another senior devotee can be there who's uh, actually giving counseling. It doesn't have to facilitate the meeting. This is a slightly different structure, but the end result is, comes to the same thing. That you do have counseling going on, you do have support, you do have questions, you have a lot of interactive sharing of realizations. So we do hope that you develop that program because it's a way of giving support and care for all of the members of the community. It also gives an opportunity to do things together and it gives an opportunity to, to bring more people in very easily. We get to learn how to expand the movement. If you have more questions, you can ask me, I can tell you more things about that program. Just, just a little mention to it. The other thing was that I wanted to inform you uh, and invite you that we're having a special celebration this year for the 108th uh, birth year of Shri Prabhupada. And on that occasion, we're also it's, uh, we're also uh, installing, if Krishna loves us, on the 22nd and 23rd of February, the large uh, Panchatatra deities for the main, main temple of Vedic Planetarium. It's a 125 meter high temple that uh, we're also planning to start next year. And, uh, the deities of the caste in South India, not all, the, the process of being caste. And uh, also the devotees of the Wand, here's, here's the whole festival program on this blue sheet. And uh, you can stay there for two, three weeks for the whole festival if you like. The 22nd, 20th of, 19th of February until the 7th of March. This is a full festival. Those who want, they can go also to the Vrindavan after. I personally go on a safari after my Mayanpur and take a much smaller group. This year we expect thousands of devotees to come to Mayanpur. Such an other one, so these are the common. I know that's one of the that this health permits. And uh, all the GPCs will be there for the daily installation. So it's. Um, Wonderful festival, I hope you do, if you are able to, to come. Also, 
if you like, to be part of the eating installation. Eating installation not only includes the metal for the beer, but also fixing the altar up and fixing. We're extending the temple room to make it bigger to hold extra, extra people. And uh, if there's anything more beyond that, we'll let it go for the foundation laying of the main temple. The people can also sponsor. Uh, just put them in the form of kilos, kilos of uh, metal that go into the beady. This beady weighs something like 1.8, 1.6 tons. Because the life size beady, what's your time? It has 7 feet, that's like 2.15 meters. It weighs 1.8 tons. When he wants to, they can also get into that. You can tell me and I can pass it on or it gives an address here where you can send in if you'd like to. See if anybody's interested in the invitation. Anybody has any questions? Yeah. Maharaj was speaking about Arjuna when he came before he came to that point where he was full of doubts and his mind felt disturbed. He was a Krishna, best friend. He said they were joking, laughing, they were friends. Then he became serious. What happened after this point where he came up to this last chapter in Gita? He again became that only friend of Krishna. It's a job you have to do. In the 18 days of the Kurukshetra war, you have to do pretty serious business. <laughs> You're pretty focused on the work again. But, you know, obviously it loosened up a lot. See, uh, the Arjuna, he made a vow that he was going to one of the days of the Kurukshetra war. He vowed he was going to kill Giant Ratsa to defeat him in the battle. <sighs> because Giant Ratsa was doing some nasty things. So he, he took that vow and said, I can't do that, I'm going to enter into fire. So as soon as the other side heard that, they knew that he was a man of his word, so if he said that, He'd actually do it. He'd enter into fire. He couldn't kill himself. He couldn't fulfill what he vowed. So then uh, they changed their whole battle plan. They said, okay, next day, our whole strategy is how to save Jaiver. So we can save him, we kill Arjuna. We kill Arjuna on their side, which is their general, he's the greatest warrior they got. So they all started, they made what they call it the needle, needle formation. Or at the end of the needle, the giant rattle. In order to get to him, Arjuna had to burn almost fight every single warrior in the battle. The impossible situation. They made it impossible for they thought it was impossible. But then somehow, one after another, Arjuna defeated every single warrior 
Yeah. Yeah. We have to take the time to kill everybody because we got to get it real quick. He went and got right back. The last person was falling, tied up to the steps. But in those days, the photo show was to fight from sunrise to sunset. So at that time, Krishna put a cloud over the sun. It looked as if the sun had set. And then Jayadanta had been hiding in the back. When he saw it, it looks like the sun set. He came out laughing. I did it. I'm still alive. The sunlight came and oh no. Oh, oh. He saw, you know, there he's like right out in the open and there's still sunlight, so the battle's still on. And Arjuna tells Krishna, I mean, excuse me, Krishna tells Arjuna to take off his head and he has like guided missile arrows. So have that arrow take the mantra, so take the head and drop it on the on the lap of his father, on the child of his father. So then Arjuna, he programs his arrow and sends it off, takes off the head of Jayadratta, takes it over and drops it on the lap of the father of Jayadratta. Now the father was had, had after you know, being a king or whatever he was, he became a yogi with a mystic uh, meditation. So he had made some kind of a sacrifice that whoever causes the son, his son's head to hit the ground when he dies, his head will blow up. It's like, it's a little nasty thing to do, right? So this, so Krishna has the head torn, his father sees the head of my son, ah! he throws it off his lap and hits the ground. So he's the last person that threw the son, and that the son that ever fled, caused his head to fall down dead on the ground. His head will up, his father's head blows up. So Krishna got rid of two problems. I see, even if Arjuna kills him, he also gets killed. It's like a, it's a real tricky situation. So somehow Arjuna was, was you know, that, then after that, Krishna told us, don't make stupid vows again. You know what's probably for us too? You know, they shouldn't do a premature thing just on some kind of a whim, you know, emotion. Just don't do stuff like this. Don't make a vow and later, you know, so this time Krishna covered it. But uh, don't do something like that again. So much. Krishna really had to organize things so that Every day, Arjuna would win. But it's sure how Krishna was, although he's just sitting there guiding the, guiding the chariot for Arjuna, but, you know, he's actually controlling the whole scene that's going on. So definitely, that, I mean, the things were in between them, but either, but Arjuna was primarily following Krishna's guidance. It's like, like all the course, you have the caddy. Who guides the uh, 
Put candy actually kind of tells what iron the, the browser should get with or something like iron and powder. There was a movie came out. They got what? Bugger Buns. Bugger Buns. The Legend of Bugger Buns. I don't know, there was a funny movie that came out. It's 18. Huh? It's 18. Exactly like, but, but yeah, no, the point is that there's 18 holes in the golf course and there's 18 chapters of Arjuna. <coughs> so Arjuna, Mr. R. Juna was the caddy. And uh, no, he was uh, he was the uh, golfer, but his uh, caddy who was carrying his clubs was Mr. Beggar Vance. Beggar, Beggar, carrying the bag. Beggar Vance. Iggy Vance, come on, bring the bags. So Baker Vance, like Bhagavan, Baker Vance. Bhagavan. Baker Vance. And this uh, Arjuna, he, uh, he completely didn't want to play the golf game. He was totally in the modes. But then Baker Vance preached to him. How, <laughs> oh, you know, without being attached to winning or losing. <laughs> You should go out there and you should. Uh, you ever heard of that movie? So, anyway, then the end, he won the golf match. And this uh, Baker Vance went off. The legend of Baker Vance. How this girls were living in the match. So, this man, it wasn't, you know, it's like. Take off in the bottom of the <coughs> Sometimes the lawyers would go, and for a while it was some popular in the States, the lawyers would go and sell the book behind bigger bands. And sell Bakagidas at the movie. It wasn't like a big hit like Star Wars, but it was like a popular movie. Uh, Probably get a CD of it. It's not that great. Not that many movies to combine with either Bloody man. Yes, right? I was actually thinking very much about this thing you were speaking about. You were thinking about what I was thinking about? This thing you were speaking about. It's about the skin cancer. Somebody who has seen this match and this tears and the children. So sometimes I wonder has, has anybody all seen this match? They cannot speak about it. They cannot say, yes, I saw this And then, then it could be just a library of words that even nobody has seen Then this is my job. Why can't we sometimes just hear, yes? I know that's not the truth. <laughs> that was the point, is that the Prophet said it. I could tell you that how you know I'm telling you the truth. Anybody can say it, so I, I know people, I know many people say they say Krishna, so I bet they don't say that. You see them say, yes, I see Krishna, and others will be saying, yes, they don't seem like the person that sees Krishna. 
Somebody really pressed Prabhupada. Who used their sex? But even I say it, how do you know? That makes it too, too easy, man. Anybody who says, there should be some way you can verify. Excuse me, if somebody has seen that. So that's the verification. Methods are given in Chaitanya Charyamrita. Even some few things are given in Bhagavad Gita. How you can tell someone who has, uh, who is advanced? Last uh, five, six verses of um, twelve chapter. They also say who's very dear to Krishna. There's several places in Bhagavad Gita. Arjuna asked, How can I recognize someone who's a spiritual master? And Arjuna also answered. This is an important thing, how do you know? But it was just that anybody who tells you, I have seen the truth. It's the only people. I have seen the truth, the way, the light. And then I have seen the level of reality and absolute truth. There's different levels also. It's that, like Prabhupada said, a guru should be liberated. So there's two kinds of liberating gurus. So like there's Narada Muni, he is completely God realized and uh, liberated. And then there's another type of liberation, which is who's following. Who's uh, following the liberated guru? Because if you follow the liberated guru, then you're also liberated by following. So Prabhupada didn't claim that I'm a guru because I'm liberated. I, but I'm, in that sense, in the first sense, that I'm follow, my guru is liberated. And I follow him. By following him, I'm liberated. That's Eva Parampara, which is the Guru Parampara system. If somebody is following, liberated gurus, and you can also be sure that's something you can verify very easily. So when there are some people going around, they say, oh, our guru is Uttamarikani, uh, he is liberated, you only can get love of Krishna if you, uh, you check all the other gurus and just accept him. This kind of uh, propaganda is not uh, it's not the kind of thing recommended by the way to And on what basis uh, anybody can say anything? That's this marketing thing. So the quality of a power person is that he's able to empower other people. He's able to make people believe. Some like Prabhupada made so many devotees, and Prabhupada and many of his followers are making, are awakening people to their spiritual life. We get some people that go and they just say that their guru is a Vijayamari, but he hasn't made new devotees. He's an expert at taking the existing people, trying to find out something. 
people already that were awakened. And then by this kind of a hype, the people are attracted. Oh yes, I love the best food. The Krishna Kaiser do not criticize like anybody. Like that, we don't talk with hyper praise to we just want people to know who the different spiritual masters are, see who they develop faith with, who they can develop a relationship with, and who they, who's able to help them to get rid of their doubts. Like Arjuna's doubts was, uh, were mitigated by Krishna. So by asking questions, by, by uh, dealings with the spiritual masters, somebody's doubts are mitigated there. Faith is enhanced, it's enthusiasm, it's enhanced. And they can understand this is my spiritual master, but without giving it to some, this is the only guru, or this it's not like that. It's different people may have different, who are going to be inspired by a different spiritual master. It's not that one is the only guru, there's so many gurus, but this is represented to so many different glories. So we don't like uh, this kind of propaganda, only one guru and things like that. Criticizing everybody else. It's a very unvaishnava resistance. So the Prabhupada wanted to create this a very peaceful, <coughs> positive, progressive environment in this kind of people go forward in their spiritual life and everybody one guru. In Chaitanya's past time, there are hundreds of gurus. So some would be, you know, like great acharyas that had thousands of disciples, some were great acharyas with one disciple. Narayan Das Thakur's guru had one disciple, Narayan Das Thakur. Lokanam Goswami, but he was a great guru. But Narayan had a so only disciples. So, and uh, Arakam's best uh, and a friend was uh, Srinivasacharya. He was initiated by Gopal Bhakti Goswami. And Shamanandapanda uh, was also both of their friends, and he was initiated by Goridas, uh, by Hidai Chaitanya. Disciple of Gauri Dasmata. All three of them are Shisha disciples of Jinnabhusmas. So at that time, in the, there was the only gurus who were functioning in the, in the world and, the, and they were working with each other and somebody had this my Diksha guru but then they had, a, had common Shisha gurus and things are in a very, very family uh, spirit that people could take whichever guru that they wanted. Prabhupada is like, we created that within this time. And then he, this year, two Gaudiya Maths have joined the, with the Iskand in India. Small Maths, like single Maths, Gaudiya Maths. They, they decided that they want to be part of Iskand. The Iskand environment is so much more favorable. Why be alone? Why be outside? You can be part of the next family. Which is more pleasing for us, which is more like the original movement of what you can.
That's what Prabhupada requested all the Gaudiyamas. Let's all work together. It's all a form of governing body. Work together. They didn't, they didn't want to do that. They just present. Now we're trying to just cooperate together. Some, you know, a society called Sarasadhodiya Vaishnava Society Association. You guys are trying to work more and more together. Maybe baby steps to do something. <sighs> that's, that's, that was a. We should not, it should be like that. Everyone cooperating to spread their glory sufficient. As soon as it starts going into exclusivity and blasting other people, everyone, one person has to guide another person. I may have many disciples, I'm dependent on my disciples, all the disciples to guide me, I'm dependent on my nephews and nieces and, and uh, god brothers and god sisters to help for guiding someone in the ways. When I see that, I, I give a personal care, but otherwise, there's so much day to day support within it. It's like a joint family. When you're just a little nuclear family, then you gotta take care of the baby all yourself. It's there's a lot of pressure if you got your brothers and sisters and everybody, they all get along with each other. Ideal situation, and they should not need babysitters and child care. You know, they get so worked out within the family. So it's like this. we kind of work in the they kind of more of a almost a word, collegiate or familial way. So the one, and that was what it was like before I went what you tell me is the description what happened during his presence after you can see that kind of in the mind. It was much more, it was it wasn't like it was just one one big Chaitanya movement. It wasn't broken up into different institutions and things. The problem trying to do that with all the followers of Bhaktisiddha it wasn't possible. It didn't want it. And so now he's that within his kind of things that he's inviting. And they want they can join this kind also. Apart from that, this kind of other organization we're trying to do another front, we're also trying to organize one more cooperation. Separate institutions, but we're like a European Union kind of setup. Where everyone is a distinct organization, but at the same time they work with each other. And we do some things collectively. <sighs> So this holiday says, well, I, I'm the only one who's followers, you know, they don't respect anybody else, then okay, so let anybody keep on trying to create a community. Community and diversity requires respect. Any other questions? Where are we right there, Prashant? We have to say more Prashant. And I do have, I bought my computer, if you want to see any kind of, like, you're taking this out, like, you fall away, I can show some slides. So maybe it's too late, I don't know, it's too late. Do you like our ad-free videos? Be sure to subscribe to our channel. 
We publish new videos every day, and don't forget to like and share our channel.